Good morning again, everybody. I'm glad that you're able to be here with us today, and I hope that your week went well. I was able to get away for a little bit this week and experience some chilly, chillier temperatures in Colorado, and I was fortunate enough to bring some of those back with us, or with me, so that you guys get to enjoy those too. But I had a pastor's retreat, just a time to get away up in the mountains, and it was, it was good. Short, but good. Get to get away, go hike, uh, do some biking up in the mountains, play some golf, spend some time by the rivers, um, and just kind of relax. Go out at night and look up at the sky and admire the stars. You know, it's, it's such a cool thing just to sit and be able to take in the majesty of God, to take in all of what the universe encompasses, to sit there in stillness. It can bring such a peaceful mentality. You know, so often we get caught up in our daily grinds that we forget to rest, that we forget to understand what peace is in our lives. It's kind of a foreign word because we're just going around so fast. But it's good to experience that rest as you're able to from time to time. To, to experience that and what that peaceful attic, attitude can do to your life and your mentality. You know, when I think of scripture and the concepts of peace. Uh, scripture, there's plenty of verses to, to understand God as peace. You know, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. In the sacrificial system, you had different sacrifices that were designed to be peace offerings with God. Many of the letters open and close from Paul by talking about the God of peace. May the God of peace be with you. Peace is a theme that is in the Bible. And as I've been praying about this in my life, as I've been praying about rest and things, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a sermon series coming up at the start of the year dealing with rest, dealing with Sabbath, and understanding what that looks like in our lives to help with our rhythms and our day-to-day life. But for today, I wanted to finish up the section that we've been studying in Colossians 3. Um, And we're going to read verses 15 through 17 today. If you have your Bibles, you can join me. Uh, But we want to continue to look at what Paul is instructing this early church to be about. And we're going to see how it does involve a little bit of peace this morning. So in 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truths this morning that we can experience your peace, that we can experience your love and your truth anew this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so in similar fashion, I'm gonna kind of break down this verse as we have done throughout the entire chapter so far. Um, Looking at the main points that Paul is gonna be expressing, and there's gonna be three of them. Uh, Looking at the supporting phrases that go along with those, and then also a repetition that we need to keep uh, track of in our life. Um, as we 
Look at what Paul is mentioning here. Again, he is looking for the people to implement these things into their life. He's building off of what he's already spoken to them. Um, he's hoping that this would be a part of their fellowship, a part of their worship time, a part of their relationships with one another. So looking at this first point that he mentions, very simply he says that the peace of Christ is to rule in their hearts and they are to be thankful. Now it can seem kind of abstract when you talk about your heart, when you talk about your mind or what is ruling in your life. You know, what Paul is getting at is what is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you? What is it that makes you do what you're doing? What is guiding, what is controlling your life? You know, and sometimes you have different things in your life that can do that. It could be, you know, you've got bills to pay. So it pushes, pushes you to, to pay different bills. Maybe you have a desire for, for something material and you want to save up money for that. Maybe you have... Um, parents or family that are pushing you into a certain field of work and driving you to do those things. You know, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you know, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, just an example of Jesus teaching something that can rule your hearts other than him. Money can influence how we, how we live and what we live for. And he's expressing here, Paul is, is saying that he wants them, he, they need to let the peace of Christ rule. You know, I think that we all have battles that rage in our hearts and minds from time to time. And maybe our life is dramatic or chaotic or toxic in some areas. And you could be desiring just a little bit of peace from that. Maybe on a Sunday afternoon and you have a house full of children who are running around screaming and you just want them to go outside and play so I can have a little bit of peace and quiet. You know, we all have this desire and understanding of what peace is, but what does it mean for the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts? How do we understand what that peace of Christ is? And you know, as I was you know, up in the mountains this week, I had some time to think, to dwell, and there were several thoughts that popped into my mind about peace in general and the understanding of what this peace of Christ means specifically. You know, as I was sitting by a river in prayer, zoning out to the noise, to the calmness, I was at peace. You know, when trying to understand the peace of Christ... I think that it's the peace that is offered to our minds where it's the calmness that is able to rest in him. Where even though there might be battles that are raging on, even though there might be trials, there might be hardships going on in your life, things are assaulting your mind from every angle, you understand that your security rests in him. I think of the relationships that we have with others. And how the peace that we experience in those can be seen. Sometimes that peace can be difficult to describe. It's kind of like patience. You don't know exactly how to describe what patience is, but you definitely know when your patience has ended or when you cross that line. So sometimes we define things based on the opposites. You know, sometimes in our relationships, 
we can experience things that are toxic, things that are chaotic, things that are dramatic, and we understand that there's an anxiety, that there's a fear ruling over those relationships, and it's anything but peaceful. Well, we're not at a state of peace with others. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And people can be difficult. We can be difficult. So the struggle with peace in our lives from time to time will happen. A little bit more of kind of setting up this problem before we get to the solution of the peace of Christ. Um, as I was sitting by the river, I was, of course, in prayer and I was thinking of some hymns. And it is well with my soul came to my mind. You know, the way that that hymn begins, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever lot you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. You know, I've shared that hymn study before and how Spafford um, is writing this as he is going to America and he gets to that spot where his family had drowned in a sunken ship before and he is expressing deep grief as he is writing this song, this hymn. In similar fashion, I thought of Job. You know, how he is able to praise God through his hardships, through his trials, through his immense loss still praising God. And this week, I thought of my own grief and these lines that you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Comparing that to the opening line of when peace like a river attendeth my way, and at this stage of my life, desiring that peace, desiring some of that rest, and I understand what Spafford is doing here as he is pushing contentment. You know, whether your life is at peace or whether these sea billows are coming in to sink your ship, are you able to say that it is well with my soul? To understand peace in situations of grief, of trials. And you know, we can say it. We can even say it with a smile on our face. As Americans, we're good at being fake but do we mean it? We're good at hiding what's truly going on in our lives. And we'll say that everything is fine when in reality, we don't even understand what peace looks like. As I mentioned, the Lord has been leading me down a path the last few years to search out his rest a little bit more than I do now. I guess you can say I don't rest well. I'm a little busy, I guess. But I don't experience rest well. I don't experience this type of peace in deep waves too often. And I share this today for a few reasons. One, because I'm pursuing it and I wanna be held accountable. I'm tired of the facades. I'm tired of being tired and busyness and all that comes with it. I'm tired of the entertainment and the escape routes that we all choose to say that we're actually resting, but we're not. I'm tired of the apologies. 
people saying sorry about adding burdens onto me because of their lives being a mess too, like mine isn't. But understanding my situation, they don't want to pile on with their own burdens. To that, can I just say, we're all broken, we're all messy. God has called me into this position for such a time as this. My rest is about my walk with God. Do not think that you're overburdening me. If it does, I'll tell you, or if I can't handle things, I'll tell you. Rest is something that is difficult to find. Now we have to understand that no life is perfect, no marriage relationship is perfect, and in fact, many are struggling. Many have issues of poor communication and poor understanding of one another. At times, yeah, it can be easier to handle your problems over my own. You know, the, the art of being busy so I don't have to deal with what I got going on in my own life and just give you a, a, you know, a cliche answer or some scripture or help you out so I can focus on you and not focus on myself and not focus on my own health. I think we all do that to some extent in, in ways that are damaging to us, in ways that are not beneficial to the body because we're not resting in the peace of Christ. We're not going to the Father. We need to seek him better in our lives. And Paul's instructing the church here. He's instructing all believers to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. You know, we know the areas that we're weak in. We know the areas that we need to go to the Father, but we choose not to. We choose to avoid it. Individually, we have issues that are going, in our li- going on in our life that can rob our joy and rob our peace. And we need each other in the body to be encouragers, to build each other up, to bring us back to the Father, to be honest about things in order to take them to the Father to experience his peace. Because because here's the biblical answer of what is the peace of Christ and how we understand that. The biblical answer is that Jesus is our salvation. He made peace for us by his death on the cross, by his resurrection. And in John 3, he's teaching Nicodemus, and he's referencing Moses. He says, in the same way that Moses is lifted up, as he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We are to continually keep our focus, our look, our belief in Jesus for our peace and understanding. He says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And again, Paul is is speaking to believers here. He's speaking to the church and he's building off of all of the points that he has covered first. So they are to seek the things above. They are to set their minds on the things above. They are to put off all of these things while putting on these things. And then let the peace of Christ, his salvation, rule and reign in your heart. So that whatever you're facing, his peace comes first. 
You know, you are saved through the blood of Christ being offered freely for your sins. Yes, that is individually, but it's also corporately as a body. To understand that we are called as one body to worship and praise the Father, to understand the salvation of Christ as a group, to understand that it brings us peace as a body. So that as a body, if we're going through turmoil, if we're going through hard things and difficult things, we can rest on him and experience that peace. As we are doing all of these things, seeking the things above, setting our minds on the things above, putting off the old, putting on the new, and and encouraging and keeping each other accountable to those things. When we understand what type of peace that is it brings thankfulness to our hearts you know we have a lot of junk that goes on in this life and there are times of frustration and anger and unfulfilled longings that can make our hearts chaotic and we can fall into sin patterns that bring a lack of peace to our hearts and minds until we confess and seek forgiveness you know we have to to sit and rest with our understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done in our life to understand his peace Romans 8:6 says to for for you to set your mind on the flesh is death but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace notice the connection of to set your mind connect that up to verse 2 in Colossians 3 to set your mind on the spirit, to set your minds on the things above, focusing on Christ, looking upon Christ, keeping our eyes focused on him. Reflect on the price that he paid for your salvation each and every day. Then look to the empty tomb to see that your salvation is secured in him because he is victorious over death as we await for his return. Isaiah in back-to-back chapters speaks about peace. In chapter 52, verse 7, you'll recognize the, the reference that Paul does in Romans 10. But in 52, 7, Isaiah says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I mean, even in that one verse, look at the connections to what we're talking about today. In terms of who establishes peace, connected to who establishes salvation, connected to how it is God who reigns. Let the peace of Christ reign. The peace of Christ is your salvation. Peace with God. And then in Isaiah 53, 5, the often quoted verse, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The second point that Paul makes is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now the word of Christ is his living presence within us. To dwell is to abide, to reside in, to be at home in us. And it, and it is to dwell richly, so it is abundant, it is vibrant. The only thing that came to my mind based on 
the season that we're in and because I just happened to smell it, but think about the spray of a skunk. Even if it doesn't spray you, is that smell, you know, is it faint? Can you catch a trace scent of a skunk? Or is it rich? Is it vibrant? Can you identify exactly what that smell is the moment that you smell it? It's a weird analogy. But the richness, the vibrancy of God in our lives, dwelling in us, should be equally identifiable in our lives, where others notice the presence of God in us right away, and they can identify what that is. The presence of God is to be richly experienced in our lives, where Jesus and his words are ingrained so deeply in our hearts and minds, his promises, his truths, his commands. You know, with the word of Christ dwelling in you, that is the basis for you teaching, admonishing or instructing each other in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and again, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, if you recall in the series that we did about what has God done, our basis for that was Psalm 105, where David is recounting all of the things that the Israelites were to remember of what God had done. They were to be thinking about these types of things constantly. You know, when you think about the Psalms, they have a lot of good themes to them. And a lot of them center around God, pulling people's attentions back to God, understanding who he is and what he has done, wrestling with the things that are going on in this world, and continually pointing people back to his word, to his promises, so that their hope and trust firmly rests in him. And as we gather, as we worship together as a body, I want our times of worships to be similar. Well, we're recounting what God has done. We're pointing people back to him, always. Always having our focus on Christ because we have short memories. And the world beats us up and the world robs our joy, robs our peace if we let it. And we remind each other through singing praises to him, recounting the wonders of his name. We teach and admonish one another through the word. We present what we're learning and we're sharing our insights into the Father, holding each other accountable, supporting one another, equipping one another, guiding, questioning, all for the purpose of building each other up in the body, building each other up in the holy faith, rooted in Christ. And I guess a word of caution the Spirit impressed upon me this week as I was reflecting on how I know all of the right things to say and the facades that we wear. Sometimes we can emphasize the word of Christ as being certain parts of the Bible, our favorite passages that can be used as a club to control how others walk, to control faith. This type of walking an understanding of this passage leads to a legalism. It leads to a head knowledge of God. And it misses out on this dwelling, this relationship that we are to have with Christ. The Bible describes this in many different places. Most famously in John 15 as Jesus talks about the vine and the branches and how we are to abide in him. A dwelling and a residing is richer than just head knowledge. So many times our faith is just lived out up here. But it needs to move from here to here. And that's the how that many of us struggle with. 
How do we experience this dwelling? How do we understand how this goes in, into our lives? How can we enter into this peace? How can we live in this peace? You know, and again, just as a warning, where we need to rest and, and be in the word. The Bible, the Bible is very vital to our relationship with the Father. But we don't use the Bible to control others. Rather, we enter in and allow Christ to dwell in us. He is the one that reigns. He is the one that rules, not us. And sometimes we can get on a high horse, so we just want to be careful of that. The third point that Paul makes is kind of like a catch-all. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And again, giving thanks. Now as cheesy as the bracelets were, the WWJD bracelets at least got people to think about what Jesus would do in different situations. Make them understand how is what I'm doing reflecting what God wants me to be doing. You know, what, meant, what is meant here by Paul is, are the words of my mouth, are the actions of my hands honoring the name and the person of Jesus? Do, the, do they reflect what he would do and what he would say? Now, as we look back even through this last week, I know that there's obvious times when we would have to say no. They don't reflect what Jesus would do or say. As a believer, when, when this type of thought is on your mind, are the actions of my, are the actions or the words of my mouth honoring what Jesus is, would say or do? Am I doing everything in the name of Jesus? When that type of thought is on your mind, when you do screw up, when you do have anger, when you are frustrated, the conviction is almost instantaneous. You know, you ever have that moment where you just lose your patience and blow up and you think, oh, crap. I need to go apologize for that one. You know, you have that conviction that is almost instantaneous because you have this thought that you need to be representing Christ. If you look a little bit further down in Colossians 4, verse 6, Paul says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, whatever you do and whatever you say, do it in the name of Jesus. It's a peculiar statement, but it's one that reflects your identity. In each of these little sections, we have identity pieces. And this is the identity here. Because as believers, you are his. You are his servants, his vassals, his ambassadors. Everything that you say and do represents Jesus and his kingdom. Anything you want to take back from this week? We are to be salt and light. And the lost people around you will know about Jesus through you. They will get an impression of Jesus through your words and your actions. Now they might have beliefs, they might have ideas about Christianity that are way off base. But it's through how you are conducting yourself that they will see his beauty, his majesty, his goodness. 
through the words that you use, that they will hear his truths. And when you think about the conversations that we have today, many times it can get very quickly into a subjective worldview of, well, this is what I believe the truth is. This is who I think the mother God is, or this is what I think about evolution and the Big Bang, and this is my truth, that's your truth. Very quickly, our conversations can get into those types of tracks. The point of our gathering, the point of Christianity, again, is to point everything back to Christ. That passage that we read in John 3, understanding that we have to continually look upon him. You go back to that Exodus story of the serpents, and all they had to do was look upon this serpent that was up on the pole, and they would be healed. So many times, the world will try to pull your eyes away from Christ, to focus on other things, to focus on minor issues, to focus on our bills, to focus on the responsibilities that we have. Our, our focus should be through Christ first. And then as we're looking at Christ, then we look at the other issues, the other problems, the other trials, the other hardships that we're having in life. And you know, when we come together and we understand that he is the centrality of our faith and we have to look to him, we take that in, into the world and we interact with the lost people. And when we say interacting with the lost people, that can be vague, that can be general, that can be impersonal at times. So let's take it to a little bit more personal level today. Let's take it to our families, the ones that you're around all the time. Everything you say and do do it in the name of Jesus. You know, you can tell me one thing. Your spouse can tell me another. Your children can tell me another. I'm sure my kids have plenty of embarrassing stories about me. Everything you say and do, do it in the name of Jesus. Love your wife as Jesus loved the church. Respect your husband. Let's continue in, in chapter three, looking at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. How different would our families be if we lived by what the word of God says? I think we need deep times of confession and forgiveness in our families. Men, we need to step up and lead in our homes. Not just demand respect because we're guys, but do what the word of Christ says. Be the spiritual leader in our homes. Lead by example and humility in, in the humility that is found in Christ. He gives us the example. Strive to represent Christ in who you are as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a child, as a sibling. For each of these points today, 
that Paul gives. Notice the side of thankfulness that is beside each one. Giving thanks to the Father for the peace that has been made because of Christ. Giving thanks to the Father for his word and Christ dwelling richly in us. Giving thanks to the Father because of the opportunities that we have to be his representatives. We truly have much to be thankful for in life. There is a beauty and a majesty that is all around us and many times we take it for granted. Many times it gets missed. Short story, it was soon after Elaine passed that I was stepping into hurts and pains, arguments with people, uh, whether that's married life, whether that's parents, whether that's things going on in their workplaces. And as I was stepping into these things, still dealing with my own grief and stuff, there was one time in particular that there was an anger that rose up in me and it caught me off guard. You know, people having arguments and wanting to give up in their married life. And there I was just wishing I could have an argument. It's kind of an odd thing to be thankful for. Thankful for being able to have an argument with someone. But it arose in me so quickly that I didn't understand. The small things that we take for granted, the small things in life that sometimes we just despise and hate. What does it mean to be thankful for? Each and every day we are given opportunities to be a blessing to one another. Each and every day we are given an opportunity to praise the Father, to worship him in fullness. So many times our days are, are controlled and ruled by the things of this world rather than the Prince of Peace. So many times our hearts are, are seeking things of this world and desires that are unholy and ungodly. Well, we need to be seeking the Father, setting our minds on what is above, throwing off the old stuff that so easily entangles us and takes us away from the Father, putting on the garments of his righteousness and salvation, letting his peace rule in our hearts, allowing and just resting in the fact that Christ dwells in us through his word, through the Spirit, and understanding that everything that we say and do is an opportunity to represent Christ. There's so much beauty around us that we miss. God works in such marvelous ways that we just sidestep. Many of our problems impact us because we're still holding on to our selfishness and our pride. And we're letting something other than the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So my prayer for us is this week, for, for this week is for us to rest a little bit more in him to pursue him with thankful hearts, being mindful of everything that we say and do as being ambassadors for Christ so that in whatever lot that we can have, we're able to say that it is well with my soul. Let us pray. Father, as we 
continue to see what the early church was to be about and understand more of their struggles. Uh, just understanding the worldliness that impacted their lives just as it impacts ours. Your teachings are true and forever the same. Lord, we see your formula, we see your plan in the words spelled out clearly. But Lord, I just pray that you would convict us of our own selfishness, our own pride, our own wants and desires that would take us away from you. That you would help us to rest in the fact that you are our Savior and our Lord. That you are the one that is in control. And that your peace, your love comes with that. And that we face the trials, the hardships, the griefs of this world through your compassion through your mercy, through your loving arms. So that when things seem insurmountable, we can come to you. But Lord, if we don't know how to come, I pray that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you would guide us, that we could spend time in your word and in prayer. So often we just give you maybe, maybe 15 minutes a day. Lord, I don't know too many marriages that survive on 15 minutes a day. If they do, it's not much of a relationship. Give us a burden for you. Give us a heart that seeks you. Set our minds on the things above. And when the things of this world try to distract us because the enemy is coming, the enemy is relentless, Lord, help us to have the armor of God on, fully equipped and ready to handle what may come our way. Lord, you are our hope. You are our portion. You are enough. It is well with my soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.